Seahawks fans, wherever you may be. Welcome back for another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. Join your host, Bill Alpstead, and co-host, sports writer and football analyst, Keith Myers, as we talk Seahawks football. Hey, Seahawks fans, welcome back into another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Alpstead, sitting down with Keith Myers. Keith, talk to me, man. What are you doing? Uh, I'm having a cranky day, so I'm in a, I'm in a terrible mood, and uh, we're going to talk quarterbacks, which is not a good combination because, um, you know, I don't like <laughs> I don't like where Seattle's at at quarterback, and then I'm already in a mood, so let's yeah. do it. Uh, and yeah, those we of you that are, the rec- we pushed the record button with that knowledge, yeah. with that forethought, yeah, yeah. So with those of you that are listening or watching on YouTube, um. Well, you know what you're getting into. Um, I'm cranky. <laughs> I'm not in a, I'm, I, I had a rough day. I'm not in a good mood. I like the, I like the idea. Quarterbacks. <laughs> I like the idea too, that lately some of our YouTube listeners have been kind of cranking it up on you. Oh, they but have. It's letting been, you it's have been, it a little bit. It's, it's, amusing. it's been fun. Um, I don't know what the Meyer <laughs> is, um, but I'm intrigued by it. And I, like I said, I don't know what it is. But I am I'm very interested in to find out um, what that was. But somebody yeah. at, said that I was I was pulling the my I was uh, what was it I was giving the Myers curse to um, Tariq Woolen. Um, we'll find out. I'm still yeah. waiting waiting for a reply. We, to, I know what we need that to was. be able to we need to be able to brand that because I think there's some money there, and I just we need to figure <laughs> out a way to find it. So so in not related to that particular conversation, the Myers curse is taking something which is relatively easy and making it hard and taking something that's like relatively hard and making it look easy. Um, and you have to look no further than Jason Myers, the kicker who can make 50 yard field goals as good as anybody in the NFL, but ask him to kick an extra point and it can be a mess, <laughs> right? <laughs> he does the hard stuff. Well, does the easy stuff poorly. Um, that, is as close to being a, the Myers curse. Uh, that's living up to your name right there. That's funny. Um, and I only, I can say, <laughs> I can say that speaking from experience as a Myers myself. Um, so anyways, let's talk quarterbacks today. Cause that's where we're going. Yeah. Um, we started with the news uh, today. Uh, Peter King, I believe it was from um, Monday morning quarterback um, tweeted out there that uh, Drew Brees may unretire and come to Seattle which there's been no reports of no follow-up. It looks like right. that's not going to happen. If he unretires, he's probably going back to new Orleans. He's still under contract for new, new with new Orleans. So even though you go to, through a retirement plus a year without play, yep. you're, con- you're still he, under contract. Yeah. He's still under I, contract because he still had years left on his contract when he retired. Those voided. No, they don't. Cause otherwise people could just retire. Um, and then not have to worry about, um, you know, their contract. They, they, could, they could get out of any contract by retiring and then coming out of retirement. Um, no, New Orleans still retains his rights. Um, is when the, when Marshawn Lynch unretired and went to, uh, the then Oakland Raiders, uh, the Seahawks traded him to Oakland, um, because they still retained his rights. So, uh, that would be the case if, if New Orleans, New Orleans would have to trade him wherever he wanted to go if he came out of retirement. And honestly, he would go to New Orleans. That's So I'm going to back up for half a second. I'm just going to let everyone know that um, we are starting a long series on position group um, evaluations on the, on the team. And uh, we were going to come in and start from the back uh, forward and start with cornerbacks and safeties on the defensive mm-hmm. side of the ball this year. This news came out and uh, we decided to talk about it a little bit. And uh, along with that, decided to talk about the rest of the position group. So we're starting with quarterbacks the way that we have for the last five Every years. Every other time. So. Exactly. We'll prob- so here we we'll- are again. I still want to do the defense first, but that's a whole other let's, issue. Um, we, can, we can switch back. But let's go back to, to the Drew Brees thing. Because hearing that he, uh, let's assume that the impossible happens and he does come out of retirement and he does come to Seattle to play quarterback, and he does so with no draft capital having to go um, okay. in the direction of New Orleans. 
Are you excited about that? No, not really for, for a few reasons. I think uh, you and I primarily, I mean, we even had a discussion about this, I think a couple of years ago was the idea that Drew Brees was just done. Um, mm-hmm. His arm had gone away. He just wasn't a great quarterback anymore. I think that the idea uh, we saw with Roethlisberger in Pittsburgh, kind of the same thing. He just ran out of gas. And I think Drew Brees, the same thing with uh, St. Louis or not St. Louis um, with uh, New Orleans was that they were a playoff caliber team that could make a deep run. And it was Drew Brees that was holding them back a little bit. And that's the player that I saw the last time he took the field. Yeah. So that doesn't excite me. The guy's going to be 44 years old in the 2022 season. And he's going to be expensive. And he's going to take away an opportunity to look at a young quarterback that the Seahawks currently have on their roster, plus Geno Smith and a couple, you know, uh, Levi Lewis and, and Jacob Eason. So when you bring a guy like Drew Brees in, it's, it, it, says you're in a win now mode and i'm not sure if the seahawks are in a win now mode and so none of it to me would make any sense i mean the only part of it that would make sense to me is that um this is a team that's not going to be good um everybody knows they're not going to be good no one's expecting them to be good so they're they're also not going to be that interesting unless a bunch of the young players start to really rise up you bring in a drew Brees, and at least you're interesting well, at least DK Metcalf's excited. I mean, you know, he shouldn't be. He would actually. He actually should be more excited with uh, <laughs> with uh, Drew Locke or Geno Smith because, look, Drew Brees is a first ballot Hall of Famer, one of the top ten quarterbacks of all time. I do not. I don't like saying anything negative about him, and sure, that's before you get into the type of person he is and all the stuff he did for the New Orleans community and all of that. Um, but the last two years that he was pl- a player. He was a liability. He could not get the ball down the field. Every completion was within five yards of the line of scrimmage. Um, He just wasn't the player he once was. And it was obvious if you watched a game. Now, I know he had shoulder surgery, so maybe he's recovered from that and is feeling better. And is thinking, oh, you know, his arm's going to come back a little bit and he can, can do a little bit more. But I would be shocked if he was able to do much. And he was never a particularly athletic guy. And at 44, he's not moving around. You better put an elite offensive line in front of him. Um, if which you he doesn't do well, have here. Which he will not have in Seattle. I mean, that's one of the things people talk about Tom Brady and, and his ability to play, you know, at, at his age. Well, there's a couple things you got to look at. He doesn't complete the ball down the field anymore like he used to. Everything is dink and dunk. He's smart. He gets the ball up quick, but it's all short and it's just, you know, high percentage stuff. And he has an elite offensive line in front of him there in Tampa. Uh, two things that will allow him to continue to play and continue to play at a high level. Um, you lose the offensive line and he's going to struggle. You um, ask him to throw the ball down the field a lot and he's going to struggle. Um, but they don't ask him to do either of those things. And he ends up throwing for a million yards and a lot of touchdowns. And that's a perfect perfect arrangement for him and Tampa. Um, and I don't see a similar arrangement for Breeze in Seattle. The NBA playoff action is nonstop at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the NBA playoffs? With DraftKings Same Day Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, total threes made, total rebounds, and more. And boom, you have a shot at an even bigger payout. Right now, all customers can place the same game parlay with three or more legs and get a free bet back up to $25 if one leg doesn't hit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN, bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game, and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's promo code TPPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Yeah, and this rumor is is really just that. It's Peter King speculating based on the fact that Seattle doesn't have a set position group if you will, at quarterback right now. He also mentioned the Panthers. If 
the um, New Orleans Saints didn't have him back. So there was a lot that needed to happen for Seattle to even be in the conversation. So to me, it really isn't a, a strong argument to have him here. It's not a strong likelihood that he'll end up here. So yeah. does he make the team better? Yeah, you can make an argument for that. You can make an argument because just because of who he is, he's a strong his, his leadership. leader, capa- capable. Okay, I'll he, give you that. He, yeah, he's Pete Carroll's. I mean, he would, I think he, you could make an argument, and especially in a Shane Waldron type thing where you are trying to get the ball out quick and get the ball into space with receivers and Drew Brees is completing something in the 70% range. Um, I could see that. I really, I, I could see that, but it's only going to be for one year. I mean, the guy's 44. Yeah. I don't even know that he does because when the Shane Waldron system, there's going to be a lot of bootlegs, a lot of throwing on the run. And I mean, Drew Brees wasn't a complete statue early in his career, but he certainly was at the end of his career. Um, mm-hmm. Throwing on the run, doing bootlegs, all that kind of stuff. That's not Drew Brees. That's not what he does well anymore. And he probably um, runs the 40 in like 5.0 right now. I mean, he's, oh, it's not going to be fast. It's just going to be, it's just, with, he's, he's done. Maybe he's with done. rockets strapped to, to I just, I don't even, I think he's low. speculating right now because he's having late spring like delusions and, and his contract uh, was terminated at NBC. And so he's looking for a job and he's excited for his old, old teammates at, in New Orleans. He kind of tweeted that, they they brought in some weapons and including Jarvis Landry yesterday. And he, you know, is speculating that it would be fun to come back. And I just don't know that if it's realistic. So yeah. I don't know. And, and it's particularly not realistic for Seattle. And if they did it, I would be shocked. I mean, it would really be one of those shocking things where I'm just like questioning everything that they've talked about in the off season and building a roster for the future and all that stuff. And you bring a guy that's 44 years old in to, to be your quarterback. It, it wouldn't make a lot of sense to me. I, I would question what they were trying to do, not only this year, but next year. All right. Yeah. So here we are. We'll talk about okay, the quarterbacks that are currently on the roster because there's, that. there's, there's five, if I'm not mistaken, um, including two undrafted free agents. Well, let's talk about the guy that was there last year that, yeah. um, you know, we traded Russell Wilson. We got some draft capital. We got a quarterback in from uh, Denver. We'll talk about that in a second. Let's talk about Geno Smith. Geno Smith came in, started three games while Russell Wilson was out with the finger injury and surgery. And um, we had this discussion right before we recorded, which led um, you and, Frankie you and I have very, very different um memories of what geno smith looked like as an nfl quarterback um in seattle last year i think you remember the jacksonville game a little too well and i give him zero credit for the jacksonville game because their defense was pathetic well on the pittsburgh um, thing and i i remember the other opponent i, I honestly it's new orleans. Just, it, it was new orleans okay so pittsburgh and new orleans, orleans has a hard you know it's, it's a tough defense i just remember that having um thought about that a little bit and wondering why I was left with somewhat of a favorable impression of Geno Smith um, after the season. It wasn't you must perfect. Have been the only person who with a favorable. No, I don't think that I was the only person, but I'm going to tell you what I liked. I liked the idea, um, and, and you, you kind of corrected me a little bit, but I'm going to repeat this anyway. Um, I like the idea that he was running Shane Waldron's offense effectively the way that the offense was designed to be run more effectively, I think, than Russell Wilson, because Russell Wilson is Russell Wilson. I think they did a lot of adaption for him. I think that he got his zoomies and and ran around and created, you know, things outside of the normal offense, the way it's constructed on paper. And I thought Geno Smith did with offense allowed plays to develop and 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 took advantage of opportunities within the design which means he got the ball out quick he made good reads good decisions quick throws um usually on the first read russell wilson sometimes go one two three reads and by then everything's kind of broken down so that's that is my overarching idea of what i'm thinking about with geno smith is just he kind of operated within the offense and then i thought he did a decent job not not perfect. I'm not going to say in two games, he was less than he didn't get the job done at the end of games to, to, to win games. 
um, he did get the Jacksonville game. The the one thing I'll say about Gino is he completed 69% of his passes and he had a five touchdown to one interception ratio. Those are all positives to me. In three games, he had five touchdowns. Uh, the offense was anemic, not just with Gino in there. They, they, they had some problems throughout the year and it was, he was a contributor to that during that time. Like I said, I'll give, he, you, I'll give you that. His, I, I will. His stats, I, he wasn't perfect. His, his stats that you um, cited there are highly inflated by the Jacksonville game, where Jacksonville didn't even show up. It was like it was just awful. Um, it was hard to watch, even as a Seahawks fan, because it was that bad. Um, but the other two games, he was not good, and I, I. I'm not going to let you get away with saying that he was the against new Orleans. They, they scored 10 points. They had 120 yards pass or 129 yards passing. It was, I mean, it literally, that's as bad that's as because we gets. didn't have any running game either. We had 90 some yards running in and that our game. defense couldn't get off the field. I mean, look at the yeah. time of possession in that game. It was 10 to 13. It's not like the Saints did anything offensively. The oh, they, time of possession was a horrible was, game too. That's what the made time it of possession, such a... I say the time of possession was what it was because Gino and the offense was bad. Uh, the defense actually managed to get off the field a lot in that game. They only gave up 13 points. And we said that a lot about Russell Wilson's offense during the year too. That exact same thing that you just said. So I'm not I'm not sure if it was all Gino. Is all I'm saying. 129 yards passing. He also took five sacks for 38 yards. Like, I I just don't know. He had 13 like, sacks in three games. Yeah. So it wasn't just. He was 12 of 22. Gino, and it wasn't just New Orleans. It was our offensive line was crap, too. Gino wasn't would, as bad yeah, at taking sacks okay, as Russell wait, Wilson. Let's, let's back up because I because let's look at all of this. Um, 129 yards passing, 84 of them were on one play. Where DK um, Metcalf touchdown. DK that was Metcalf the best play of the caught, year too. That was the longest the ball, touchdown play in the NFL in 2021. He caught the ball. He ran run over ran over some people and he took it the distance and all of it was yards after the catch. Um, yes. And it True. was 80, 84 yards on one. Yeah, that was a bigger, play. way bigger play by uh, DK Metcalf than it was Gino. No the question. entire, the entire rest of the game, Gino Smith um, passed for sixty-five yards. Oh, it was, it was horrible. Yeah. So let's. I mean, he was bad. Yeah. Was that the first game that he started? I think, I think it was it the was. second. I think it was the oh, Pittsburgh okay. game was the first one. Okay. Yeah. Cause that Pittsburgh game was ugly too. I mean, let's just admit it. It was ugly. I don't want, I don't, here's the thing. And Pittsburgh, I'm, I'm going to say Gino is, is slightly better than maybe you're giving him credit for, but I'm not going to completely give him credit. He was bad. Like in at least two of those games in the Jacksonville game, they were so horrible. You called them a JV team prior to our pushing record. Absolutely. That's they what were they played. the worst team in, in the that, NFL. Yeah. In that game, which I was saying that, you know, his stats were inflated by that game. He threw for 160 yards. That's it. Right. Yeah. Against, against such a terrible, terrible. Well, at least uh, he was more efficient. He so, was. Yeah. It's, he, it's, yeah. Right. I know. Well, he had 702 yards in three games. So I don't four, know how that three and a half. I don't know. Okay. Three and a half. So, he did play in that. Um, okay, so Rams so let's okay, so let's stop talking about Geno. What Geno Smith did in the past. What's your assessment on what Pete Carroll is saying now, as far as Geno Smith has been here? He's he's run the offense. He knows the offense. He's a leader. He's been in the clubhouse. Uh, he's got the front runner position to get the job, and uh, Drew Locke is going to have to take it away from him. Well, I think that's um, part of that is. They wanted to get Gino to resign, and um, he's been sitting. He's been waiting. He's been wanting a chance to become a starter. Um, and they traded Russell Wilson, so it's like, hey, it's his spot. Oh wait, they got Drew Lock. 
And so to get him to come in, they had to pay him more, including a ton of incentives, um, which meant that he's not going to make, he's not going to make a, uh, a tremendous amount more if he doesn't play. Um, but they did, uh, you know, give him all those incentives to, so that he would be able to do that. And now they're talking it up that it's his, it's his job. And I think that was all part of the plan was to give him an opportunity to um, be the guy. And that was part of him coming back. Do you believe that he believes that? Oh, I believe he believes that. I think he's working and acting as if um, he's going to be the starter. I don't know if the team actually believes that. I wouldn't if I was them. Um, okay, but- so let's talk about the next man up. Let's talk about Drew Locke. Okay. This is a, the player that by it, it, they make it sound like it's almost by design the way they talk about this guy. It, it, it's, it's just a happenstance situation. It's a, it's a throw in player in a, in a larger trade for Russell Wilson. We got Noah Fant back, Shelby Harris and Drew Locke. Pete Carroll's saying all the right things that you would want to say about a young guy coming into your system. That's going to have a legit shot in that, you know, we loved Drew Locke. We loved him coming out of college. Um, and you know, he had a great run in Denver, albeit a small sample size. And we'd love for him to be able to come and do that in, in this offense. Okay. Drew Locke so that's where lost, it is with Drew Locke. He has lost his job as a starter twice in Denver in three years. Yeah, so let's talk it's about that. Not, and it and it's not like they've had quarterback play um, that was worthwhile. So the the Denver Broncos have had issues drafting quarterbacks, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, going clear back to Jay Cutler and and um, and and quite a few others. And Drew Locke, the latest one, and, they traded for Jay Cutler. Okay, Jay so Cutler. They, was- Bear, was drafted by the Bears. No, he was drafted by Denver and traded to the Bears backwards. I'm thinking of it backwards. Yeah. Got so, um, so Drew Locke fell in the draft. I went and watched his combine tape just before we came on today, too, just because it popped up. And um, he's got the same problems at the combine as he does in college and um, and in the pros. And and if you don't watch and you don't pay attention, you're not going to know any of this, but he's got some footwork problems. He's got some anticipation problems. He's got some mechanic problems and he's very inconsistent, but he's got this cannon for an arms. Accuracy problems. Yeah. So people compare him to Jay Cutler. People compare him to Matthew Stafford because he's got the stature. He's almost six, four, he's 220 pounds. He's got this cannon for an arm. Okay, great. He's got all those physical attributes and then he's got the low completion percentage. It started in college. He was around a 57% completion percentage guy early on in his career, ended up at about 61% by the time he left school. 61% in college is not good. Mm-mm. And then uh, the mechanic problems, the anticipation problems, those came out at this combine. When I watched the combine, and I've watched other stuff too, but I hadn't watched his combine tape. And I watched the combine stuff and I was like, wow, he's throwing to, you know, the combine drills, everybody. You're throwing to wide open receivers on the same routes every single time. So you literally know exactly where you're going to throw the ball on the field. All you need to do is anticipate that throw and make the completion. Yeah. There's he, no, de- he was there's struggling. no defense. There's no pass rush. There's no yeah. defense on the player. You yeah. just step back, let it fly. He was, he was struggling with his footwork. He was dancing around because he couldn't quite get the timing, right? He couldn't get the anticipation. Every throw was in a different spot. So he'd throw the same route, same receiver, and one throw would be in the in his feet. The other throw would be high where the guy is just diving to catch the ball on a 20-yard completion, and he's, it's carrying him out of bounds. You know, whereas the route is dictating, he tries to, you know, he catches the ball, turns it up, runs up the sideline. So it was just a mess. He was just messy. Like every other quarterback that was on the field there was just, you know, making those completions. And he was the guy that was just throwing all over the place. So, and that's translated to the NFL. So now we've got this guy that Pete wants to wrangle. And if you know anything about Pete, and everyone does, he's about taking care of the football. No interceptions. Efficiency is A number one. He wants to be in control the, the of the guy. whole time. Right? This is the wrong guy. And so I think his idea 
is to literally break Drew Locke down as a human being and as a quarterback and build him back up from scratch and have Shane Waldron control this guy so where they can get his completion percentage up to like north of 65. So it'd be 67, 68% would be the optimal spot where you'd want him to, to be, rein him in a little bit, take the shot still, he's got that arm, but really try to focus on getting him into rhythm with the with the shorter passing game that to me is the idea i don't know about the execution here i think what's going to happen if is if drew lock comes out and he shows that he can kind of be that 67 percent completion percentage guy he's going to get the job over geno smith because of his age and i think they really want to take a look at this guy even if they turn him into some sort of tradable asset or something but geno smith has already shown that he's going to be a 67 68 percent put completion guy i think maybe if you get him a better line and he's in the offense and he knows he's the starter from the from day one maybe he turns into a more consistent player i just don't know either way not it we not have we don't have either way we don't have good choices now this year so, at quarterback and that's the so plan let's look at let's let's look at at um at at drew locks uh uh three years in the league because he he played in in five games uh, as a rookie. And this is the five game stretch that Pete Carroll talked about where he's like, Oh yeah, if we can get him back to playing at that, he'll be great. Um, he had seven touchdowns and three interceptions. That's not going to cut it. He had um, 200 yards per game as that's all he had. That's not going to get it. His yards per attempt at 6.5 is anemic at best. Mm-hmm. His QBR of 50.2 is very very unimpressive i mean that's that's not going to get it done um that was his best stretch of games as a pro uh the following year 2020 he started 13 games he had 15 interceptions with the 57 percent completion percentage folks yeah 57 10 percent 10 12 percent lower than russell wilson's average yeah just i mean just to give you an idea his yards per attempt that year were 6.6. It's not like he was, oh, he was only completing 57%, but he was completing everything downfield. No, he wasn't completing um, anything downfield. And those 15 interceptions, like 12 of those came on uh, attempts over 20 yards. So everything that Russell Wilson was really good at, Drew Locke is the opposite of that. Um, And then in this last year, he... um, he played in six games, but he started three of them. Um, he completed 60.4% of his passes. Um, his yards per temp of 6.6 was, or sorry, 7.1 was the best of his career, but at still not NFL caliber. And he was two touchdowns to two interceptions. Yeah. Like Drew Locke was, was holding that team back very, very much. He has gotten, he has been given and well, lost, lost his job, job as a starter yeah, he has been right. given and lost his job as a starter twice he has and been most recently basically to i can't even remember his name, the other quarterback yeah uh teddy teddy bridgewater teddy bridgewater lost his job to teddy bridgewater yeah. in fact they traded to get teddy bridgewater be- yeah after 2020 season because they didn't they want knew. to go into the season with drew Locke. Yeah. They'd already they'd already given up on Drew Locke in 2020 um, and and benched him. Then they traded for Teddy Bridgewater to bring him in because they knew Drew Locke wasn't the answer. Um, Teddy Bridgewater wasn't great, but he at least took care of the football and completed a higher percentage of his passes. So um, without, and then when he got a chance being, to play, he looked he Locke looked bad, and then they finally just without, jettisoned him. You know, being a Seahawk fan, I'm not a Denver fan. I'm not watching all those games. Do you have? any idea what was going on i mean they stuck with him it's not like they pulled him after four game sample or something they he started the last five games of the 2019 season he looked decent something that they thought maybe they could build on Mm -hmm. came in in 2020 started 13 they rode him for 13 games keith yeah he and they were they were were looking for him to develop they wanted him to to become a better player to with experience to to just develop um, they saw enough as a rookie. They're like, okay, if that's the floor, then where's the ceiling? 
and we know he's got a big arm. Um, his 2020 season, they stuck with him for 13 games, thinking that as a 24-year-old quarterback in his second year, that he was going to improve, that he was going to, um, the game was going to start to slow down for him, and he was going to start to see things better, and that he was going to start doing better, and he didn't. He just never developed into anything. He is still the same player uh, today that he was in 2019. So it wasn't that 2019 was great. It wasn't. It was mediocre, but it showed promise that he's never lived up to. He's still the same guy four years later. And it comes down to anticipation and mechanics for him. Yeah, you know, it really does. It just really, it really does. Because just like he was in college and just like he has been in the pros, he has great plays. Like there are plays oh. where you're like, oh, there's you lock. He, threw, he zipped that ball. 25 yards across the field and made that play that nobody else can make. Yeah. He put the ball into the tiniest window. Yeah. Yeah. And he has three or four things where his anticipation is low. He throws it into the feet. He throws it high sailing. He he overthrows or underthrows, mostly underthrows his deep throws, Mm -hmm. which leads to a lot of those interceptions. So I don't know. I don't know. I think, you know, it's going to be an interesting year. I I've listened to you a couple of times. We've talked about this, about what the team record is going to be. And we're just talking in general sense. And I'm like, I'm trying to be optimistic. I'm trying to see the upside of Drew Locke. I'm trying to see that 67% completion percentage Drew Locke and things are going to work out. And we've got the rest of the roster that's kind of fun and exciting. And there's some good, mm. you know, quality players around the quarterback position. I'm thinking if we can just get average play, we could get above average overall offense. And so I'm thinking, okay, if I can do that, I can get to seven or nine wins in my head relatively easy. And the more and more that I look at this, especially after today, after the show, I'm wondering if we can even get to like five. I think that um, as as a, a, a team and a roster, um, I'm looking at, at Drew Locke and I understand you keep saying, Oh, well, you know, he's only 26. Let's see if he can develop. I'm like, we've seen three years of Drew Locke in Denver. And it's not like they don't have weapons. It's not like they don't have an offensive line. It's not like they don't have a running game. They have all those things. They've also got a defense that is um, l- legit. So he's not being asked to do everything. I just haven't seen anything in Drew Locke that makes me think he is a guy that you depend on at any point. Um, and I'm sorry. And if he comes out and proves me wrong and looks really good mm-hmm. as a Seahawk, holy shit, you, I'm going to be excited. Like, I'm not rooting against the guy. I want right. him to be good. I just don't see it po- as a possibility. Um, so I, I just don't see it. And I don't see it with Gino either. Um, I Gino is a guy that, he's perfect as a backup and I think that he was perfect as a backup and he's gotten a little older and now lacks some of the athleticism that he had as a younger player and that's hurting him and he wasn't particularly good as a younger player so maybe he is close to retirement um he's 33 three this year mm-hmm. but yeah yep um and so between the two of them I'm like neither of them is a starter they're both backup material uh, okay, what else is there? Oh, wait. That's pretty much it as far as NFL quarterbacks. Because I, Jacob Eason is not an NFL quarterback. I know he played for um, UW and the Huskies, and he's a local favorite and all of that. But there was nothing in his college tape that looked like a pro quarterback. He has bounced around the league and practice squads. Um for the last few years because no team wants to keep him on the roster. Yeah. And, and then I, the other guy they brought in as an undrafted rookie free agent, Levi Lewis is five, eight. Yeah. He's a 189 weapon. pounds. He's not a quarterback. He's a weapon. He is a guy that is going to run jet sweeps. He's going to throw off those jet sweeps. He's going to catch the ball out of the backfield. He is not a, quarterback quarterback now he's an exciting college quarterback yeah um he's fun he 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 kind of reminds you of the kyler murray a little bit Um, yeah except he's three inches shorter (laughs) well kyler murray's five 
nine or five ten. Um, but Kyler Murray's thicker, um, yep. thicker in the legs, thicker in the lower body, can make stuff happen. Levi Lewis is interesting. I mean, when you go watch him, he's just a small guy, just a mm-hmm. small guy. Does not look at all like a quarterback in no. the NFL, and so I question whether he could step up in the pocket and and really compete. No, complete plays. I, I just don't. Honestly, when they signed him, what I saw was I'm like, oh, I know what that is. That is a practice squad guy mm-hmm. that is on the scout team to help yes. them help them prepare for Lamar um, Jackson's Kyler Murray's et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. Because he is quick. He's fast. He can move around. He's going to piss off defensive linemen. Um, and that's what Kyler Murray does. Kyler Murray does that at, at an right. extremely high level, but he's also got the arm talent to get the ball downfield. And this guy's passing. actually got a, got a nice little arm on him. And I, I'm sorry. I said little, um but he, he's got a he's got a pretty good gun but he's i can't get over the size i just can't do it if he was five nine and 215 pounds five maybe. nine isn't five nine isn't tall like lamar murray is i know 5'10". but i'm thinking i'm thinking you know russell wilson was russell 5'10". wilson was five ten and a half um lamar murray was five ten and a quarter um that's to me the bottom of the height possibility yeah. and even even that is really pushing it and you better be special athletically and both those two guys are um if you are not if you're drew Brees and you're six one okay six oh i think maybe he was closer to six oh um mm-hmm. six one six oh and a half um he was not um he was not elite athletically but he had a lot of His other things going for him. skills were just off the charts and his accuracy was crazy and his 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 release speed was very quick and and all of those things okay we're back to talking about drew Brees. uh <laughs> hey the show's come full circle but um he was also six foot and a half I and mean, we're talking about a player who's four inches shorter yeah this guy's legit you know five eight and five eights i think is what he is yeah and he's 187 pounds um exciting player you know, there's no question. You go out and watch a little bit of his tape. It's kind of fun to watch, but it doesn't translate. It mm-hmm. doesn't, I don't think it translates. Um, so we'll, we'll see how that goes. I would anticipate he's gone before week two of training camp. Um, I don't know. I would expect, I actually kind of expect, expect him to stick around in training camp. So they that'd can be, get him I mean, it'd be fun because they, they need someone to take all those reps in practice and get guys, um, you know, get the center reps, get running back reps, get um, the ball to the to the receivers. Last year, they kept four for most of um, training camp, and then, um, you know, dumped a bunch of guys and and made some adjustments. But um, okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna redirect you for half a second, then we're gonna get out of here. Cool. Um, Drew Locke, Geno Smith, who emerges? What happens? Honestly, I think Geno Smith gets it. I, I uh, Drew Locke is going to entice some people because of his age and his arm, but when it actually comes down to getting it done on the field, he's too inconsistent. He doesn't produce results, and I think Geno Smith is going to be the guy that um, is consistent. He might be consistently mediocre, but he's at least consistent, and I think he'll do a better job of taking care of the football, and that's what Pete Carroll is going to value most. I I agree with everything you just said, and I and I kind of came to that right before the show because um, I was thinking about these off-season uh, OTAs, these workouts that are going to happen in the next couple of weeks for the Seahawks, and they're really decent. They're they're glorified walkthroughs, but they really go kind of full speed against each other. There's no hitting or anything like that. There's defenders on the field against offense. And Drew Locke's going to need to make throws. He's going to need to make decisions. He's going to need to make anticipatory uh, throws. He's going to have to show his footwork. And to me, this is the couple weeks that's the most important time for Drew Locke here in Seattle. Because if he can't emerge after these two weeks as a front runner, possible front runner for this position, it's over. It's over before it even starts because Gino's going to be the guy in their minds and he's going to get the reps and he's going to get 
all the prep as the guy that's mm-hmm. going to go into the season as the starter. And if Drew Locke comes out in these next couple of weeks and he was just like throwing it everywhere and it's, it's like, oh my God, he's way better than he was on film ever. And he can have an equal shot, but this is the time where he's going to have to come in. And I just yeah. don't see it happening based on. Yeah, I don't either. Seen. I don't, I don't either. Um, And I want him to be good. I, I honestly do. I think it, he's 26. He's got, you know, he was a second round pick. Um, He's got talent. There's talent there. You can't, watch him play and not believe that there's not talent there. His arm is legit. I mean, it's like Matthew Stafford um, and his ability to just really put some uh, heat behind that ball. But there's also limitations. And 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 sometimes though, sometimes you got to go through it. Sometimes you got to go through the pain to see it for yourself because here's this guy with all the stature, all the tools, and 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 he's going to have some successes and then he's going to have some things to work on so you can talk yourself into something especially early on in the process where he's literally starting over as a player in a new offense with a new coordinator new coach new everything this is his new opportunity so i think that he will be given that chance and there will be some successes in those chances and that might be enough to entice the seahawks into pursuing that and and it may turn out and it may end up going down a road that is not going to be great. And we'll just have to see. Well, really, I mean, he's going to be given an opportunity to show that he belongs. And if he doesn't take it, his career is probably over. I Yeah. I'm rooting for Drew Locke. I don't want that, that thing that I just said to come to fruition. I want him to be able to continue to play and have a career. And Well, maybe and there's an opportunity for him to be a Geno Smith of, of the world. You know, I don't know. We'll see. But I, yeah. if if you're going to be Geno Smith as a backup guy, you need to complete sixty five percent of your your throws mm-hmm. when you're asked to, or you're not going to make it. If if, if uh, Drew Locke is a sixty percent guy or fifty eight percent guy, those guys don't cut it in the NFL. They just don't. What 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 interested me in all of this is I wonder why why the CX if they want a guy that's going to complete sixty seven or sixty eight percent of his passes or more. They don't care if it's all check downs and dink and dunk and whatever. Why Drew Locke and not Teddy Bridgewater? Because that's the problem with Teddy Bridgewater is he doesn't play anything downfield, but he takes care of the football. It's dink and dunk stuff. He's never going to like wow you with anything, but he's going to just be consistent. If you were going to go get a Denver quarterback, why didn't you get the one that actually fits the mold? Well, I don't think that he was, was he under contract? No, he's not. He was, he could have been just signed as a free agent. Yeah. I think that they took a flyer on Drew Locke. I think that was it. That's just the bottom line. I think when you evaluate a quarterback in the draft and that you, you didn't get him because you already have one, you know, this is kind of a John Schneider to me move. It's not necessarily a Pete Carroll move. Pete Carroll is a guy that wants to take care of the ball. He wants more sure uh, handedness there. He wants kind of a, if it's not a veteran, even if it's a rookie, he wants that veteran kind of presence out there, a guy that can command the team. Um, I'm not sure if Drew Locke's that guy. So that's why Pete Carroll's talking him up, you know, because he's at least giving him that shot. Mm-hmm. I think this is a John Schneider move, if I've ever I seen I don't know. One. I think this is a Denver move. I think Denver wanted him off the roster. Toxic? He was, he was, no, not that. It's just it could have become toxic. If he's like, you know, the the draft pick and the guy that's expected to be the guy and he hasn't been, and then you have to go spend all this draft capital to trade for an actual starter because Locks failed so bad. They just didn't want that situation. I think they wanted to unload him. Mm-hmm. I and, read that the Nathaniel Hackett's team, the, the, their guy, their quarterback's coach, their offensive coordinator, did their due diligence in this, this last offseason, watched all the Drew Locke tape, and came to the conclusion afterwards that he was expendable. And that's yeah. why he was part of that trade. I yeah. just read that today. And they're not wrong. If you look at his tape and you look at his play and even look at his stats for his entire time in Denver, you're not building a team around that guy. And there's a reason why Denver gave up everything they did for, uh, for uh, Russell Wilson. Yeah, because they and knew. Seattle didn't want to give up everything that they needed to give up to keep Russell Wilson. Yeah, and here we are, which is part of it, and then part of it is Russell wanted to leave. 
Um, and I think that is one of those things that um, we need to keep saying because people are talking about, oh, the Seattle made this big mistake and whatever. Russell wanted out. He wanted a chance True. to go. He wanted a chance to go somewhere else. And honestly, the Seahawks had really kind of screwed themselves over by this win now mentality mm-hmm. where they, they traded away picks for Percy Harvin and then they traded away more picks for um, Jimmy Graham. And then they kept trading away first round picks for guys like uh, Sheldon, Sheldon Richard, Richardson, yeah, Richardson and, and Clowney and, and they, the, all of these win now moves. And especially when a lot of them, those guys walked a year later, um, like Clowney and Richardson, or just didn't, or didn't um, turn out, or didn't turn out like Percy Harvin um, and Jamal Adams. Yeah, I mean, they all of these win now moves that didn't work. They were in trouble. They, this roster had deteriorated. They needed draft capital. They needed a a rebuild, even if it was just a minor rebuild. They needed a rebuild, and you weren't going to be able to make Russell Wilson happy this year because you weren't going to be able to put a roster around him good enough to compete. Um, you needed a it's couple true. of years and without, with, true. and without the draft picks, cause they didn't have the draft picks. Um, it probably was going to be not this year, not next year, maybe the year after that. And how old is Wilson? How long is he willing to wait? He wasn't willing to wait. He wanted out. He wanted an opportunity to go continue to win now. Um, and the Seahawks, you needed an opportunity with draft capital to start rebuilding the roster. That's where we are. As much as so I don't like it, point, Wilson was fun. I, I don't, I don't well, see. You, you at, get it. At what point yeah, do you I get hold Schneider accountable for that kind of stuff? Is it Schneider or is it Pete Carroll? It was Pete Carroll, in my opinion, not Schneider. Those were Pete Carroll moves. When it was Schneider controlling everything that was when um he was making you know 200 roster moves a year and just shuffling the roster looking for talent trying to get guys uh just mining for talent um once they built the roster and they became you know went to the super bowl and won it and went back to the super bowl and almost won it they were just in win now mode every year trying to run it back and i think that was pete carroll saying you know, go get me a wide receiver. Yeah, go and, get me a tight end. A, go get me this guy. A, to me, and and you, we can live in retrospect a little bit on on some of the things that we just <laughs> talked about. But to me, I think that's the proper move, at least in 2020, uh, 2015, 2016. I think oh, yeah. when you started to rebuild, reset in 2017, where we jettisoned, you know, some of the coaches, coaching staff, and and uh, got rid of uh, some of those players. Um, I think that was the right move. You know, so I don't know that it's necessarily been the wrong thing until it's the wrong thing. And you and you almost it's too late before, you know, now, I think when we got past the 2018 season and we kept doing those moves, then it became evident that, that we were kind of on that on yeah. the wrong path. And, so, and this and this draft, this offseason was the correction. It was. And so you ended up with like the Jamal Adams trade is the ultimate like mistake. Um, not that Jamal Adams is a bad player. I think Jamal Adams is still an elite tilt the field athlete and player. And yeah. if used correctly, which they had a trouble, they Seahawks had trouble with because of their old defensive coordinator. Um, if used correctly, he can be an absolute difference maker. But this was Agreed. a team that this was a team that was not ready to win at that moment. They didn't have the roster. They didn't have um the talent. There was there were deficiencies up and down the roster. And they really needed those draft picks to address that. They needed to get younger, cheaper, more athletic. And you weren't doing that trading two first round picks for a guy. Um, they weren't ready to win at that moment. The roster had deteriorated too far. Um, and I think so that is the that is the mistake. The other moves, you know what? They're win now moves, whether they work out or they don't work out, so be it. Um, the ro- the rest of the roster, or most. I mean, of the we did get to ready. twelve. We did get to twelve wins with that philosophy, you know, building on it year after year. So yeah. nine wins or ten wins, eleven wins, and twelve wins, and then all of a sudden it's not working anymore. And it, it even that twelve win team was completely flawed. We knew that it was very flawed. Yeah, and but they continued 
you know, they they came back after that 12-win season without the uh, salary cap room and without the draft capital to address the flaws. And what we got was a seven-win team that was just With, not yeah, as fun to watch. Coming off, coming off three draft picks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know. Yeah. With no real with no real way to to figure out how to get back. Yeah. So the, to me the the correction, the reset was needed. I'm sorry that Wilson had to go. I love having him here. He was fantastic. He's a the best quarterback in franchise history hands down. Um but the franchise needed a reset. And honestly, he didn't need to be here for a rebuild. He's at in the prime of his career. Go win some titles, man. Or at least go compete for some titles. You don't need to sit here through a rebuild and wait for this team to catch up to you. Especially when Pete Carroll was going to stay. Yeah. And, and so I was okay with all of it. I didn't like it, but I'm okay with it. All right. Let's get out of here. Um, I don't know what we're doing next, Keith. I don't, I, I don't know if we're going to go back now to our original plan and do corners and safeties and work our way back through to the offense and running backs. Or we're we just going to stick with the offense and do what we've always done. I have no idea either. Let's flip, <laughs> we'll, we'll, um, we'll flip a coin. Um, once we're off the air, we'll figure out what we're doing next week. There, there we go. Okay. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Good show. Good conversation. You weren't as angry as you, uh, you let on early. I think <laughs> I, I, I calmed you down a little bit. I wasn't, I wasn't as argumentative on the no. show as I was uh, pr- prior. So anyway, find Keith on Twitter. <laughs> Find me on Twitter. Find the show. You know where the show's at. Hit the subscribe button. Share it. All that good stuff. Thanks for joining us. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Seahawks Playbook Podcast listeners. Thanks for joining us for another edition of the show. You can find us on Twitter. Bill is at NWSeahawk. Keith is at Myers NFL. And the show is at Hawks Playbook. You can listen and subscribe to the show at SeahawksPlaybook.com.